Amen. All right, well, we're there in First Kings chapter number 13. And of course, tonight we are continuing um, our series entitled When Animals Attack in the Bible. <clears throat> and tonight we're actually looking at the first story of an animal attack in the Bible. Last week we just spent the time looking at the animal kingdom in general. And uh, we're going to look at this first story, and it's, it's a well-known story about uh, the man of God uh, and the lion. And just to give you a little bit of the context, if you remember uh, in the history of Israel, after Solomon, you had a division in the kingdom. You had Rehoboam and Jeroboam uh, had split the kingdom. Jeroboam is the king of the northern uh, nation of Israel. Uh, Rehoboam is the king of the southern nation of Judah. And Rehoboam uh, was afraid that when it was time to worship God during the Passover and different feast times, that the people of the north would go down to the south, down to Jerusalem where the temple was and all of that, and that they would like it there and they would want to stay there. He didn't want them to go there. So he built these uh, altars and he built these calves that he put um, in the northern uh, kingdom of Israel and he had the people go to those calves and worship there. And of course, this is something that's mentioned all throughout the history of Israel. If you read First Second Kings, First Second Chronicles, this comes up a lot, the sins of Jeroboam, that they continued in the sins of Jeroboam. Jeroboam has just done this and God sends this man of God to go preach against that altar and to rebuke it. It's interesting also that we are never given the name of this man. He's an anonymous uh, man of God, but he is a man of God. If you look there at 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 1, the Bible says, and we have to kind of just get, get a little bit of the context of the story before we can get to the animal part, but if you look at verse 1, the Bible says this, And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah, and I want you to notice these words, by the word of the Lord. You're going to notice in the story that the word of God or the word of the Lord is emphasized throughout the entire story. In fact, the story is about the word of God. So there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Notice verse 2. And he, the man of God, cried against the altar. So this is the altar that Jeroboam built, and now the man of God you know, Jeroboam was there, worshiping at this altar, burning incense, and the man of God begins to preach against the altar, notice, in the word of the Lord, and said, I want you to notice that he's actually directing the preaching to the altar. He says, O altar, altar, he's talking to the altar, he says, Thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And of course, this is a reference to the fact that Josiah led a great revival in uh, Israel, and he did these things, and we're told that this prophecy of the man of God uh, takes place about 300 years before Josiah's birth, because if you remember, Josiah lives towards the end of the reign of the kings. Jeroboam is right here at the beginning of the reigns of the kings. So this man of God prophesies about Josiah, King Josiah, by name. Notice verse 3, and he, the man of God, gave a sign the same day, saying, because he gives this prophecy about this coming child. And then, you know, but he gives a sign to show that, uh, he, he, the validity of his prophecy. Notice the sign. This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent. 
and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. So they've got this altar, they're burning incense on it. This guy shows up, starts preaching against the altar. Oh, altar, oh, altar. And then he says, there's going to come a child, there's going to become a king, Josiah by name. He's going to do all these things with this altar. And he says, and as a sign that this is actually going to happen, he said, the altar is going to be rent. Notice verse 4. And it came to pass, when King Jeroboam, who's standing right there, heard the sayings of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, that he, King Jeroboam, notice what the Bible says, put forth his hand from the altar, saying, lay hold on him, and his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up. So he, he's standing there, and he points at the man of God, and he's telling his soldiers, saying, lay hold on him, and as soon as he put his hand out there, the Bible says that his hand dried up so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king, God had just put his hand out to say, Get him! And now can't pull his hand back. It's, it's hardened in that position. The altar has rent. And the king, the Bible says in verse 6, answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat. The word entreat means beseech or ask. Now the face of the Lord thy God and pray for me. You know, one, one verse before he's pointing, his, pointing at him, telling his guards to get him. Now he's asking him to pray for him. That my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. Then the Bible says in verse 7, And the king said unto the man of God, because now the king's happy, right? Because his hand got stuck this way. The man of God prays for him. Now he he has his hand back. He has his arm back. He's happy. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. So he says, hey, I want you to come home. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you, you can rest a little bit. You can get refreshed, and I'm going to give you a reward because you prayed for me for my hand. Look at verse 8. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine kingdom, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. Verse 9 for so was it charged me, and I want you to notice the emphasis, by the word of the Lord, saying, eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou comest. So when the word of the Lord came to this man of God, God spoke to this man of God, and he said, I want you to go to Bethel, I want you to preach against this altar, I want you to say these things, I want you to do these things, and he said, I don't want you to stop I don't want you to enter anybody's house. I don't want you to eat with anybody. I want you to go there and come back. And for this reason, when King Jeroboam says, hey, you know, come eat with me, he says, hey, if you gave me half the kingdom, I would eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest, because that's what God told me. That's what the word of God says. Look at verse 10. So he, the man of God, went another way and returned not by the way that came to Bethel. Enter in new characters. Look at verse 11. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. So we have this whole episode with the man of God and Jeroboam at Bethel. Now we're being told that there's an old prophet, and his sons, because the story is 
getting around. People are talking about what happened in Bethel. His sons tell him about the man of God and what he had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the king, then they told also to their father. Look at verse 12. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen the way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. And he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. Notice he makes the same request that King Jeroboam makes. He says, Why don't you come home with me and eat bread? Notice the response, verse 16. And he, the man of God, said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread, nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord. He says, the word of God told me that I'm not allowed. I can't do that. Thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. So what I want to do tonight is I want to give you just um, some statements. And I've got six statements. We'll try to move through it as quickly as we can. Just some lessons from this man of God story and the line. This story of the man of God and the line. And if you jot these down, if you're able to, if you don't have a babysitter on your lap, if you have your course of the week, the back of it, you can take down some notes. Let me just give you some thoughts as we kind of move through this story. The first thought is this, and we're going to look at it here in a minute. We already read the entire chapter. This old prophet is not a good guy. This is a bad guy. And the first lesson that we can take away from the story is this. Being an old preacher does not necessarily make you a good preacher. You know, be careful about just assuming just because somebody's an old preacher doesn't, you know, that they're a good preacher. Now, don't, don't, you know, you make statements like that, and then people want to take extremes, and then they think, well, every old preacher is a bad preacher. Well, that's not true either. But be careful about assuming. I remember growing up in, 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 in the old IFB, and uh, something that's interesting about the old IFB is that when you become an old person, you know, in the ministry, you just become like a hero. No matter what you've done, no matter how big a failure you've been, no matter, you know, you, you could have done nothing. You could have, you could have taken on a church that had 300 people in it, and by the end of your ministry, there's seven people there, but you're old, you're like a hero of the faith, you know? Or you've been divorced several times. I mean, you could be a complete failure, and just understand that being an old preacher does not necessarily make you a good preacher. Charles Swindoll is an old preacher. He is not a good preacher. John Piper is an old preacher. He is not a good preacher. Bill Hybels is an old preacher. He's not a good preacher. Charles Stanley is an old preacher. That does not make him a good preacher. John MacArthur is an old preacher. That does not make him a good preacher. So the the first kind of lesson we can take away from the story is that being an old preacher does not necessarily make you a good preacher. And just because there's an old preacher in the pulpit, look, you ought to... Uh, listen to what they're saying, look at their ministry, you ought to check their fruit, is what the Bible says about preachers, and just because they're old does not make, necessarily make them good. Here's the second kind of thought we can take from this story. Look at verse 18. He, the old prophet, said unto him, the young prophet, or the man of God, he said, I am a prophet also, as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord. 
Because the old prophet, the, 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 the man of God, the young prophet, he says, well, I can't go eat with you because this is what the Bible says. This is what the Word of God said. This is what the Word of God said to me. And he says, well, I'm a prophet too. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with thee into thine house that he may eat bread and drink water. Notice these words. But he, the old prophet, lied unto him, the man of God. Here's, here's another takeaway for us, another lesson from the man of God story, is that some preachers will flat out lie to you. I mean, some pre- preachers are just going to flat out lie to you about what the Bible actually says. Keep your place there in 1 Kings 13. That's obviously our text for tonight. We'll be coming back to it. But go with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 4. If you find in the New Testament, all the T books are all clustered together. 1 2 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy, Titus, 2 Timothy, chapter 4. Look at verse 3. Look, don't assume that just because a guy calls himself a prophet, just because a guy calls himself a preacher, that he's telling you the truth. I mean, some preachers are going to flat out lie to you about what the Bible actually says. And please understand this about the Bible. God, in the Word of God, will never give you conflicting instructions. There's no such thing as, well, you know, God told me to be a father, but then God told me to be a pastor, and being a pastor doesn't allow me to be a good father. No, God would never give you conflicting messages. God, God's Word will always be in line with the entire will, His entire will for your life. And look, some preachers are just going to lie to you. Some preachers will flat out lie to you about what the Bible actually says. The Bible actually predicts it. Second Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 3. Well-known verses, you know them. The Bible says this, For the time will come, and I would say the time is now, when they will not endure sound doctrine. This is talking about the, the people in the pew. There's going to be people who go to churches and they don't want to hear sound doctrine. But after their own lust, shall they heap to themselves teachers, notice, having itching ears. And they shall, notice these words, turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Look, do you know that there's people, today Sunday, you know there's people all over the city, all over the state, all over this country, all over this world, people that went to church today, that went to church on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, and they went to church and they wanted to be lied to? And they got lied to. There are churches all over this country that preachers stood up and just flat out lied about what the Bible says, but they made people feel good. They made people feel okay about their lives and okay about their mess and okay about where they're at. But you know what? The Bible says that we're supposed to preach the word. We're supposed to be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. The Bible says that we're supposed to preach the truth. And, you know, you ought to be thankful when a preacher stands up and preaches the truth to you. Let me let you in on a little secret. You know, people come to a church like Verity Baptist Church, and I'm not really sure what people think about a church like this church. Maybe we should take a survey someday. You know, people come to a church like this, and it's like, look, we're next to a methadone clinic. I mean, I'm not sure why you come here. You know, I, I don't think you come because of our facilities. I think we've got the best music in the world, but it's not worldly. 
You know, I, I, it, it, you know, we, we, we don't have all the, the, we don't have purple lights and we don't have, you know, uh, uh, fog machines and, and we don't have all sorts of things that impress people, you know, but here's what we do have and here's what we've always had, the truth. And when you come to a church like this, you ought to be thankful. Look, whether it's, whether it's me or whether it's some other pastor or some other man of God, you ought to be thankful when a man of God stands up and preaches the truth to you. Because let me just let you in on a little secret. It's easier to lie to you. Do you understand that? It'd be much easier to just, you know, look at what the Bible says and say, ah, let's just, let's just not cover that. I mean, I, I spent an entire sermon this morning preaching on two verses, preaching about two verses in the book of Esther, dealing with divorce everybody. Obviously, we went to a lot of different passages. But you know, it would have been a lot easier just not, just, just read. I don't think anybody would have noticed if I would just read those two verses, moved on to Esther, and not dealt with divorce. Would have been easier for me. Would have been easier for you. But you know what? We need to hear it. We need the truth. We need to, be, we need to preach the truth. You ought to be thankful when a preacher doesn't lie to you because there's a dime a dozen preacher out there that'll stand up and lie, that'll flat out lie to you, that'll deceive you, that won't tell you the truth, that'll take parts out, that won't cover certain things. And look, sometimes people get mad at us for preaching the truth. You ought to get mad at the guy who's lying to you. Paul said, am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. So we see from the story with the man of God that being an old preacher does not necessarily make you a good preacher. And we see, go back to 1 Kings 13 if you would, that some preachers will flat out lie to you about what the Bible actually says. Why don't you notice verse 18 again, if you would, 1 Kings 13, verse 18. He said unto him, I am a prophet also, as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. Notice these words again. But he lied. But he lied unto him. Here's the, second, here's the third statement. You better know what the Bible says because the devil will try to deceive you into sinning. You better know. Pastor, why are you always preaching about reading the Bible, reading the Bible, setting up an appointment with God, setting up a time and setting up a place and having a chart? Why are you trying to get us to read nine chapters a day? Why are you trying to, always trying to get us to read the Bible, know the Bible, read the Bible, and read the Bible? Why? Because you better know the Bible. Because the devil will try to deceive you into sinning and he'll take advantage of the fact that you don't know what the Bible says. Go to Genesis chapter 3, first book in the Bible. Genesis chapter 3. This is the devil's uh, a way, one of his ways that he tries to trick people or he tries to destroy people. Remember that the Bible says, Jesus said that the thief cometh forth to steal and to kill and to destroy. Peter says that the devil wants to destroy your life. The devil does not want to be your friend. He wants to destroy you. Jesus told Peter, Satan had desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And the way he does this, the way he does this is by beguiling you, by deceiving you, by tricking you, counting on the fact that you don't know what the Bible says. Genesis 3, look at the first time we see the devil do this in the Bible, Genesis 3.13. The famous temptation of Eve. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? This is after Eve sinned. 
And the woman said, notice what she says, the serpent beguiled me. What does the word beguile mean? It means he deceived me. He lied to me. Because remember, the, the serpent shows up and he says, you know, shall you eat of the, of the trees of the garden? He, he begins to question. Then he says, you shall not surely die. He changes God's word. And then Eve says, hey, he beguiled me and I did eat. He deceived me. He confused me. He tricked me. And I'm not going to take the time to, to, to go through all the passages, but you'll see this consistently done by the devil. If you remember uh, Satan during the temptation of Christ, Remember the temptation of Christ when Jesus out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights fasting? Satan actually shows up, and if you look at those temptations, you'll notice that he even quotes Scripture. But he takes it out of context. He takes it out of context. He misapplies it, trying to trick Jesus into sinning. Hosea chapter 4. You go to Matthew, if you would. Matthew 22. First book in the New Testament. Matthew 22, while you turn there, let me read to you Hosea 4, 6. The Bible says this, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. Reference to the Bible. I will also forget thy children. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, just listen to me. You better know what the Bible says. You better know what the Bible says. Why should I read the Bible every day? Because you better know what the Bible says. Or the devil is going to beguile you. He's going to trick you. He's going to take advantage of the fact that you don't know what the Bible says. And here's what people say all the time when they come to church like this. And I appreciate it. I appreciate the encouragement. People come to church like this and say, man, I wish I would have known that. Now look, if, if that's you, great. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're learning it. But don't think that the devil still doesn't want to trick you. That's why you better read the Bible. That's why you should show up to Sunday night church, Wednesday night church, Sunday morning church. You say, why do we need so much church? Because you get taught the Bible. Because you learn more of the Bible. Because we help you go further, faster through the Word of God. Matthew 22, are you there? Look at verse 29. Notice what Jesus says all throughout the, the, the New Testament. I'll just show you a few verses in Matthew Matthew 22, 29. Jesus answered and said unto them. Notice what he says. He says, Ye do err not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, notice what he says. Have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying? Look at uh, Matthew 19 and verse 4. Matthew 19 and verse 4, the Bible says this, Jesus said, and he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that which he made them at the beginning, made them male and female? Look at Matthew chapter 12 and verse 3. Notice what he says. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was in hunger, and they that were with him? Look at verse 5, same chapter, Matthew chapter 12, verse 5. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Jesus has all these people coming up to him, these religious people, these Pharisees. They're coming up to him, and they keep saying this, and they keep saying that, and they keep throwing out this idea and that idea. And what does Jesus keep saying over and over? Have you not read? Have you not read? You do err not knowing the scriptures. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You need to read the Bible. You need to read nine chapters a day. And when nine chapters a day is done, you need to read the Old Testament. You need to read every day. You need to know the Bible. You need to understand the Bible. You say, why? Because you better know what the Bible says because the devil will try to deceive you into sinning. 
into destroying your life, into beguiling you, into lying to you. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 13. Look at verse 19. I said, number one, being an old preacher does not necessarily make you a good preacher. These are lessons we learn from the story. I said, number two, some preachers will flat out lie to you about what the Bible actually says. Number three, you better know what the Bible says because the devil will try to deceive you into sinning. Notice 1 Kings 13, verse 19. So he, this is the man of God, this is the good guy, went back with him. This is the old prophet, this is the bad guy. And did eat bread in the house and drank water? And it came to pass, I, I think this story is just so interesting. And it came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet, the bad guy, the old prophet, that brought him, the good guy, the man of God, back. So now they're sitting there, they're eating, they're, they're drinking. He did eat bread in his house and drank water. And it came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back, verse 21, and he, the old prophet, cried unto the man of God. Now we got the old prophet preaching to the young prophet that came from Judah saying, notice what he says, Thus saith the Lord, for as much. Now here's what the word for as much means. It means in view of the fact of. Because of the fact that you. He says, for as much. This is the old guy, the bad guy, Talking to the man of God, he says, For as much thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread nor drink water. Notice he says, Thy carcass. Now that's not a good sign. Carcass is not good. Carcass means body with no spirit. It means dead. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulchres of thy father. Verse 23. And it came to pass, after he, the man of God, had eaten bread, and after he, the man of God, had drunk, that he, the old prophet, saddled for him the ass, to wit, for the prophet whom he had brought back. Here's thought number four. You will be held accountable for what the Bible says, no matter what other people do around you. Please understand this. It it doesn't matter what other people do. God will hold you accountable. God will hold you personally accountable for what you know the Bible says. And for this reason, we must know what the Bible says. Go to 1 John, if you would. 1 John chapter 4, towards the end of the Old Testament. Uh, if you start at the book of Revelation and go backwards, you have Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1 John. 1 John chapter number 4. God, look, get the story. The old man of God, the old prophet, goes to the young man of God and says, no, he lies to him. He says, no, God told me you can come have lunch with me. Come have lunch with me. Then they're sitting there eating lunch and then the old man, of, the, the old man begins to prophesy and say, you disobeyed the word of the Lord. You weren't supposed to eat anywhere. You're not going to make it back home. You're going to die. Your carcass will not be buried. And, and you can look at the story and say, well, what about all these other people? But let me tell you something. God will hold you accountable. Listen, young people. I don't care 
who else was there. I don't care who else was drinking. I don't care who else was doing drugs. I don't care who else was messing around. You will be held accountable for what the Bible says. No matter what other people do around you. God doesn't care. Well, my friend said, well, they told me it'd be fine. Well, they gave me permission. What does the Bible say? 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says this, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone into the world. This is the idea that preachers will lie to you. Look, just because somebody knocks on your door and they've got a nice little white shirt on and it says elder and they've got what looks like a Bible, you know, don't think that they're there to preach the truth to you. Try every spirit, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Go to Acts chapter 17, if you would. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. While you go there, I'll read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of life. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. This whole story is about how you respond to the Word of God, the Bible. Because you will be held accountable for what the Bible says, no matter what other people do. Well, other people, it doesn't matter. Well, somebody else, it doesn't matter. You better know what the Bible says. Acts 17, are you there? Look at verse 10. You know these verses. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who, coming hither, went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, notice, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. This is referring to the fact that they had the Bible preached to them, and they received it. They were ready to receive it. They weren't sitting there upset, angry. They received the word with all readiness of mind, but then notice what they also did, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Why did they search the scriptures daily? I mean, they had the Apostle Paul preaching to them. But you know what? They did not just assume that because a preacher said it, it's true. Now, notice, they didn't have a bad attitude. It's not like they were sitting there just, I'm waiting to see something wrong the preacher says so I can expose him on YouTube. No, they, they received the word with all readiness of mind. They were ready to receive the word of God. But then they also searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Why? Because believe not every, every spirit, but try the spirits where they are of God. They knew what the Bible said. They searched the Bible and they understood the Bible. No, and I don't say they searched YouTube. It says they searched the scriptures. I'm not against you searching YouTube. I, you know, listen to sermons on YouTube and, and, and all of that. That's great. We put sermons on YouTube. But that is not a substitute for daily Bible reading. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And that they receive the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily, whether the things were so. Look, you will be held accountable for what the Bible says. Period. You will be held accountable for what the Bible says. You said, but somebody lied to me. It doesn't matter. No matter what other people do around you. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 13. Look at verse 24. First Kings chapter 13 and verse 24. The Bible says this, and when he... That's the man of God. Was gone. A lion met him, by the way. And slew him. 
And his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. I want you to notice that this is a God thing. This is God controlling the animal kingdom. This is God giving a charge to the lion, telling the lion, I want you to go kill this person. And they did it, because notice, the lion doesn't attack the, the donkey, the ass. And when he was gone, the Bible says, a lion met him by the way and slew him, and his carcass was cast in the way, you, you would think if this lion was just hungry and attacking something, you know, and the, and the ass to bite. But the Bible says that the lion also stood by the carcass. You got the, the donkey sitting there and the lion just hanging out next to this dead body. God controlling the animal kingdom. He sends this lion uh, to kill this man. You say, what does this all mean? What does it represent? Look at verse 25. And behold... Men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way and the lion standing by the carcass and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. Said, what, 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 what else can we learn from the story? Well, if you remember, the Bible has a very famous verse about the devil. You know it. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You say, what can we learn from this story? Here's what we can learn. Do what the Bible says or the lion will get you. Do what the Bible says or the devil will get you. Do what the Bible says or the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Do you understand that? Look, you can come to a church like this and hear me preach all these things. You young people can hear me preach about the fact that it's not good for a man to touch a woman and that if you're dating, you better be respectful of that young lady. You better keep your distance from that young man. You don't need to be holding hands. You don't need to be kissing. You don't need to be out by yourselves. Uh, you better be out in public. You don't need to be somewhere where you're going to be tempted. You can listen to this preaching, but if you disregard what the Bible says, the line will get you. The devil will destroy you. He'll take the opportunity to beguile you, to trick you, to tempt you, and he'll destroy you. Be sober, the Bible says. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walked about seeking whom he may devour. What's the point? Look, this is the gist of this story. The main, if there's one point to the story, is this. Do what the Bible says, or the devil will get you. Do what the Bible says, or the lion will get you. The Bible says, and when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. Look at verse 26. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, I think this is interesting, it is the man of God. You know, people, because when the man of God showed up and, and did this thing with, with Jeroboam, Jeroboam's hand got stuck and it got hardened and then he prayed and, and he was able to move it again and, and the altar rent. All this, you know, was known about this man. Now people are seeing his carcass with an ass and a lion standing by it and it's getting around. People are talking about it. And in verse 26, we have the old prophet. He hears the news. And when the prophet, the old prophet, the bad guy, that brought him back from the way he heard thereof, he said. And notice what he says. It is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore, for that reason, the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, 
which hath torn him and slain him according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. Here's the interesting thing about the statements of the old prophet. The old prophet says, you know, they tell him the story, and he says, it's the man of God. He was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Because he disobeyed the word of the Lord, God sent a lion to destroy him. And you know, I'm thinking to myself, what about the part of you lying to him? It's funny how you kind of just left that out. What about the part of you chasing him down and telling him, I'm a prophet like you are. An angel spake to me and, and you just lied to him. That was left out. You know what's interesting about Satan? Is that when Satan tempts you, when Satan beguiles you, when Satan gets you to fall, when Satan throws your sin in your face, he will conveniently leave out, leave out the part that he's the one that got you to sin to begin with. I mean, he'll tempt you, he'll trick you, he'll encourage you in your own sin, and then when you fall on your face, he'll accuse you before God and leave out the fact that he's the one that got you to sin to begin with. We see this consistently throughout the Bible. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 13, if you would. You're there in 1 Kings, just go back one book to 2 Samuel chapter 13. There's a famous story about Amnon. The Bible says Amnon had a friend. And be careful about your friends. Your friends better be helping you. If they're pulling you down, they're not, they're not your friends. They're not good friends for you. 2 Samuel 13 and verse 1, the Bible says this, And it came to pass after this, that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed. The word vexed means uh, irritated or distressed or annoyed. He was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Here you have a young man who has a desire for a uh, half-sister that is an ungodly desire, but it's something he's, he has in his, in his mind, but he's not going to act upon it. The Bible says that he thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But, verse 3, Amnon had a friend. You know that this is a lot of stories of guys in prison goes? Well, I had this friend. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab. The son of Shimei, David's brother, and Jonadab was a very, notice this word, very subtle man. Same word that's used to describe the devil in Genesis 3. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And he said unto him, notice what he says, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Be, care- be careful about so-called friends who are telling you, oh, you deserve better than that. You deserve to go to hell, that's what you deserve. <laughs> Why, why are you being the king's friend? The king's son, lean from day to day. Wilt thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Notice verse 5. And Jonadab, the friend, said unto him. Remember, Amnon, Amnon he thought it hard to do anything unto her. He loved her. But he wasn't going to act upon it. He wasn't going to do anything. But then his friend comes along, verse 5, And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on my bed, and make thyself sick. He's telling him, Just pretend you're sick. Just lie. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come, and give me meat, and dress the meat in my sight, that I may see it, and eat at her hand. Skip down to verse 32, just for sake of time. But he's telling, he, he, he tells him, Here's a plan. Pretend like you're sick. 
When your dad comes, say, hey, can you send Tamar to kind of just help me, to, to nurse me back to health? And then, of course, when, uh, when, when Tamar shows up, 2 Samuel 13, 32, the Bible says this, and Jonadab, uh, when, when Tamar shows up, excuse me, he forces her. He has his way with her. Here's what's interesting. When we jump to verse 32 in the story, and I just, I'm just going to skip some of this for sake of time. Absalom ends up having revenge upon Jonadab and kills Jonadab as a result of this, of him forcing his sister. This is Absalom's full sister, Jonadab's half-sister. When the story comes back, 2 Samuel 13, verse 32, the Bible says this, And Jonadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother, answered and said, Because Absalom, he gathers all his brethren for this feast, and he kills he kills Amnon in the process. And they start getting news from this. David is told all his, that Absalom killed all his sons. But Jonadab steps in to try to help David understand what's happening. And he says this to David. And Jonadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose that they have slain all the young men, the king's sons, for Amnon only is dead. For by the appointment of Absalom, this hath been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. So here we have Jonadab. Abner just got killed for raping Tamar. Absalom kills him. David is getting the news of this. Jonadab shows up and he says, No, king, don't, you know, don't think. Let not my lord suppose that they have slain all the young men, the king's sons, for Amnon only is dead. For, for, for by the appointment of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. But here's the question I have for Jonadab. What about the part where it was your idea? You're the one who told them to do it. Here's all I'm trying to tell you. When Satan throws your sin in your face, isn't, doesn't the Bible call him the accuser of the brethren? When Satan throws your sin in your face, he'll leave out the fact that he's the one that got you to sin to begin with. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. Dad, when you destroy your family, when Satan tempts you with some sin, drugs, alcohol, pornography, adultery, whatever it is, when he, when he tempts you to, and, and you destroy your life, when, when the story is told, no one's going to say, yeah, well, you know, there was this friend and the devil got him and he beguiled him. No one's going to say that. They're just going to say, look at his carcass. Do you understand what I'm saying? Young, young lady, when, when, when it's found out that you're pregnant out of wedlock, no one's going to say, well, you know, the thing is, they were all kind of hanging out, all these kids, and they were all doing stupid things, and this. No one's going to say that. And the devil got the best of them, and they, you know, you know what they're going to say? Look at her life, it's destroyed. When you become a drug addict, everybody else was doing it, yeah, yeah, but you will be held accountable for what you know. You know the Bible says, unto whom much is given, much will be required. You say, I go to a church like this, I learn a lot. Well, you're going to be held accountable for what you've learned. You bet, look, here's all I'm trying to tell you. You better do what the Bible says, the line's going to get you. And when the devil throws your sin back in your face, he'll leave out the part about how it came about. Because, because if the old man told the story right and said, well, here's the thing, I lied to him and I gave him back, you know, people would be like, oh, okay. But that's not how, the story is not, you know what they said? They said, look at that guy. He was serving the Lord. He was preaching this certain. Now he's sitting there dead. Wonder what happened to him. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. 
He wants to destroy your life. Wife, when you destroy your family, the way your kids will tell the story will not be, well, you need to see it, you know, from her side, and no, no, they're just going to say, look what she did. Kids, when you destroy your testimony and, and, and embarrass your parents, no one's going to say, well, the thing is that if you understood that first this happened, then this happened, they didn't ask to be here, and, and, and they got invited, no one's going to care. The accuser of the brethren is going to say, look, look, look at them. Look what Jonadab did. Look what the man of God did. When Satan throws your sin in your face, he's going to leave out the part that he got you to sin. Do you understand that he's tricking you? You, you, you get people, you, you get people these, these worldly Christians, they think, oh, the devil's my friend. We're going to go have fun and party. He's not your friend. He wants to destroy you. He comes alongside you and says, yeah, come on. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Look, look at him. Look at him. Wants to destroy your life. Wants to destroy your marriage. Wants to destroy your health. Wants to destroy your relationships. Wants to destroy your testimony. Say, well, what do I do? Figure out what the Bible says. And do it. Look, at some point in the Christian life, at some point in the Christian life, you're going to have to make this decision. I had to make this decision. I was talking with my wife about it. She was sharing her testimony and when she came to this decision in her life at 17 years old. And I believe every Christian is going to have to come to this point. And some of you haven't got here yet, but you're going to have to get here, and you're going to have to get here pretty quick. And it is this. Do you actually care what the Bible says? And are you going to do what the Bible says? Because we can feed you and feed you and feed you and teach you and teach you and teach you. We can tell you everything and tell you everything God says about everything. Here's what God wants you to do with your finances and here's what God wants you to do with your time and here's what God wants you to do with your health. Here's how God wants you to raise your children and here's how God wants you to be married and here's how God wants you to be a single and here's how to be God. We can teach all of it. But if you don't actually do it, it won't help you. See, the man of God, he knew what God said. You say, yeah, but he got lied to. But if he would have just done, if he would have just said, hey, you know what? I, I'm not trying to offend you, guy, but here, here's what I know. Here's what I know. God said, do this. I'm just going to do that. You'll always be safe when you follow the words of God. You'll never go wrong disobeying the words of God. Or you could have your carcass laying there. And nobody will tell your story. No one will say, well, here's what happened, and here's, you know, they got tricked, and then they told them this, and that wasn't the case. Right? Everybody, I mean, everybody in prison is, well, I didn't know they were going to rob the liquor store. They just told me we were going to go, you know, I was just in the car. <laughs> you better know what the Bible says or the lion's going to get you. And when the lion gets you, he'll destroy you. He'll sift you as wheat. He will tear you apart. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And you can be that victim. Or you can just say, you know what? I know what the Bible says. I don't care what you say. I don't care what that preacher says. I don't care what that friend says. I don't care what that co-worker says. I don't care what you... I know what the Bible says. I'm going to do what the Bible says. The, the gist of the story is this. Do what the Bible says. Well, I don't get you. Let's bow our heads and now we're prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the story. Lord, I pray that you would help us to develop a fear 
for the Word of God. Lord, help us to want to know the Bible and read the Bible. Lord, I pray for these young people. I pray for these young people that they would learn the Bible. They would know what the Bible says. That they would live their lives accordingly. That they would do according to all that is written therein. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be sober, be vigilant. Help us to realize that there is a devil out there that wants to destroy us, trick us, beguile us. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to just know what the Bible says. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Lord, help us to know what the Bible says. Help us to do what the Bible says. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.